travel north o'er the Tay or east for the Heelands, and you enter Scotland's northeast. The hail region for the crags or the Cairngorms, down the glens and straths o' the Esk, the Dee, the Don, the Deverin, and into the herd o' Everdeen itself is a unique ert We a rich heritage o' balladry, stories and music, castles, steen circles and distilleries. As you stravague the tunes, villages, streets and wines, you'll hear folk speaking Scots. More specifically, Northeast Scots. Files kint by bynames sick as the Doric, Mairns, Toonser, Aberdeen and others. Scots is the native Germanic vernacular of non-Gallic Scotland and also of a few places in the north of Ireland. Um, it is descended from Northumbrian dialects of various sorts which were brought into Scotland from the 7th uh, until about the 12th century and have developed as the native varieties here in Scotland ever since. At the same time, um, a desire to kick-start a money economy meant that, uh, that many noblemen from Northern England and also from the Welsh marches were invited north to set up a basically feudal system and also to set up protection for fortified markets, what we call boroughs. These boroughs, or market tunes, were part of a colonial process. For Gallic rulers in the northeast were replaced by southern lairds, bringing Germanic language with them. The cathedrals were teen for the Gallic heartlands, sick as Mortlich, and flitted to mere controllable erts. An example is St. Macher's Cathedral in Al Aberdeen. Eating of the great boroughs was Aberdeen, so it's no surprise that the first serious work with hay in Scots was written here. In the 1300s, at St. Macher's Cathedral, John Barber wrote The Bruce, the story of Robert the Bruce, the great Scottish king, fa Homelt the English at Bannockburn. In all his lifetime, he was in great pain, a great travail, and ne'er would for mischief fail, but drive the thing recht to the end, and tack the vray that God would send. The Stuart period of Scottish history was not one of the happiest, but one thing that you can say about it was that it produced great artists of a variety of sorts. This included a number of the kings, King James I, King James IV, King James V, and Mary, uh, Queen of Scots, all wrote poetry, Mary in uh, French, Ellis in Scots. Her son James VI was also a writer of considerable ability. S surrounding these people, particularly the Jameses, were a group, a group of artists, poets, musicians, who would probably only have shone during that sort of time. Um, James IV's court and James V's court in particular attracted people from all over Europe who were uh, literary artists. But that didn't mean to say that they didn't look at home as well. So when we think of this golden age of Scottish writing, we think of it in terms of a range of people from a range of different parts of central and southern Scotland. Uh, Dunbar, we assume, from East Lothian, Henryson from Fife, uh, Kennedy from uh, southern Ayrshire, and so on. Writing in a wide range of styles, from uh, the most ribald and indeed confusingly obscene ways to some of the most beautiful religious poetry, in my view, that has ever been written. And it tends to be the same person doing it. 
it's really when you get to people in the 16th century, like Gavin Douglas, that they actually make a distinction between what they call Sodron and what they call Scotus, a term that was used before for Gallic. So from that point of view, Scots as a re reality, as a national language, probably existed before it was termed such. There's twa parts to North East Scots. The features shared with other dialects of Scots and the features that are different or maybe unique, as Professor Smith and Professor Miller explain. Lots of the shared features of Scots come from things that have been left over in Scots from the history of English more generally. So why is it that we say in Scotland, oot and toon and roon and aboot, and not out in town and round and about? Well, if you go way back about 500 years, you will find that throughout the United Kingdom, um, you hear folks saying oot and roon and aboot. So lots of the shared features we have are Fitwakan linguistics relic features for an older time. So in Scotland, we're further north, we're further away from Athen. We've held on to those particular sounds and structures that have maybe been lost in the rest of the country. So the sh a lot of the shared features comes for this historical angle, the relic features. Northeast Scots is a dialect of Scots which is difficult to define geographically. It's always difficult to tell when spoken dialects come into being. I suspect that from a very early period here in the Northeast, um, elements of what we now think of as the Doric or Northeast Scots were present. For instance, the change from wh to f was probably very quick because it's probably a Gallic influence upon the language. We know that Gallic remained for considerably longer here as a spoken language than elsewhere in Scotland or Scots-speaking Scotland. So therefore, from that point of view, it's not surprising there's a lot more Gallic vocabulary, there's, there's you know, Gallic influence in a variety of different places. I think you can look at it in this way. Uh, there is a central area, which is Aberdeen, Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire up until about just to the, uh, the west of Inverurie. Um, and that area um, has the most maximally northeast features. So wh becomes f, and uh, the equivalent of English moon is mean, and the equivalent of English school is squeal, and also the equivalent of English stone is steen. Right? Now, if you go to the west of there into Murray and Nairn, uh, they have almost all of those, but, but stone is stain, as it is in most of Scotland. If you go into most of Kincardenshire, south of the mountains, and also Northern Angus, people say f for hwe, but not when they're saying the equivalent to English white. They would say white, not fight. They also, some of them wouldn't say mean for moon, they would say men for moon, uh, and scale for school. And under those circumstances, you're blending into the northern dialects of east-central Scots. Scots was the national language of Scotland for centuries. Aberdeen Council did other official business in Scots and left ahead many documents in the language, showing that a formal, official Scots was developing through the medieval period. 
For example, this wee agreement between the Kunsel and the Maester of Kirk work. The said day the Provost and Kunsel Aboon Wrighton has chosen David Anderson and William Cooper under him and in his absence, Maesteress o' their Kirk work for this instant. The Kunsel does not do business in Scots the day, save it why his Scots fans so far out of favour in civic and public life in the North East. I suppose you can see three primary uh, reasons why Scots ceased to have such a central literary national function within Scotland. The first of these is possibly the Protestant Reformation. Uh, it's certainly true to say that God stopped speaking Latin and started speaking English at the Reformation because there was no Scots Bible. Uh, also, there is some evidence that suggests that Scottish Catholics were using Scots as a patriotic means of showing that the reformers were Anglophile. Um, there's also the Union of Crowns of 1603, although I'm not convinced that that had a tremendous effect. Finally, you have the Scottish Parliament uh, being um, shut down in 1707. Um, although Standard English was becoming the written form within the Parliament and within the Justiciary, there's no doubt about the fact that having a centre, a political uh, centre in Scotland, encouraged a sense of Scottishness, which died out very quickly among many people of the middle classes with their concept of North Britain. Mm -hmm.